0: Amen and amen. Well, it is a wonderful life. We've seen a couple of clips uh, from that movie. I was reading this morning on uh, the internet that uh, this is the 70th anniversary uh, to that. Go figure. I didn't even realize that when we started this series, but that's appropriate, I think. But we've seen a couple of clips, illustrations of what we're learning from God's word this Christmas season. Uh, and as we looked a few weeks ago, it's a wonderful life with the right focus. Then last week with the right fortitude and today with the right faith. Well, last week, if you recall, uh, we saw how Joseph in, in Matthew handled difficult situations as he found out his betrothed Mary uh, was expecting a baby. But today we're going to look at the right faith and look at the faith of Mary and that God can use anybody. Now, listen now. God can use anybody to make a difference in the lives of others, amen? Now, George Bailey learned that lesson, as you know, in that movie. After marrying his wife and having children, seeing many people in town build homes uh, from loans, from that old building alone, the movie, as you recall, takes a turn. Uh, His forgetful and somewhat backward uncle misplaces $8,000 while the ruthless Potter sees it and steals it. When George realizes that the money is missing, he goes to Potter for help who calls the authorities accusing George of embezzling the money. Well, when that happens, as you know, George panics and he feels like that he would be better off dead. His insurance money, he feels like, would pay off what's missing, and the whole world, he thinks, would be better off without him. And so he prays and asks for help, and an angel is sent to help George, an angel by the name of Clarence. And Clarence gives him the gift of seeing what life would be like if he never existed. And as George goes back into town, nothing is the same. He doesn't realize, rather, he doesn't recognize the place and and he doesn't realize the difference that he really made. Here's just a brief little scene from the movie I want you to see this morning. life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard of things like this. You got me some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm gonna get out of it. I'll get out of it. But I know how, too. I... Now, the last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be, Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You weren't here to build them. The of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clark. Yes. Well, what we will see today in our scripture is that our lives can be used of God to make a difference in the lives of others, but we must have the right faith. And so we want to see the story of Mary and how God revealed his plan to use her for his glory and how, he, how she responded. But we wanted that to be an example to us. So in honor and reverence to the word of God, we're going to look at Luke 1. If you would stand for me as I read that for you. We're going to ask you to turn the lights up, brothers, up there if you would. Just turn them all the way up for us. Uh, 20, and we'll look at verses 26 through 55. 26 through 55. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, "'How can this be, since I do not know a man?' The angel answered and said to her, "'The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God.'" Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible.'" Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary rose in those days, went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. He has regarded the lowly state of his maid maidservant, and behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is, is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation, and he's shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. And he's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the reading of the word. Lord, we pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts today by the power of your spirit. Lord, that we would indeed seek to have the right faith. Lord, that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives. And for those who don't have the faith in the Lord Jesus, this would be that hour of salvation. But for those of us, Father, who do know you, may you refresh our minds and our hearts that we truly would have the faith that you've called us to have. Lord, to make a difference in the lives of other people as we trust in you. And now, Lord, we pray that The words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see in the bulletin the outline for today's message, and the first thing that we see here is faith's objection. Faith's objection. God, what we see here is that God reveals to Mary through an angel that he has chosen her to be used for his glory, but she has the reaction that many people even today still have when God decides he's going to use us. And there are three things I want us to see in just a few verses here. And the first one is her reaction was, Lord, who, me, Lord, who, me, in verse 29, we see that that's what's happening here, where it tells us, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She's asking, Who? Me? You're going to use someone like me? Who Who am I? That's what she's saying. So you see, in that day, Mary, and in this story, in this passage of Scripture, what God was doing in the life of Mary, Mary was young. She was poor. She was a female. All the characteristics of that day that would make her seem unusable by God. She was an insignificant young lady in an insignificant town in an insignificant time. She had not considered that God was about to speak to her, that God was about to use her in some way. But she had been going about her business, planning her wedding, and God calls out to her. And she wants to know, who? Me? And the answer is yes, you. Because you see, friends, listen, God uses the insignificant to do the significant work. Amen. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 through 29, in the English Standard Version, it reads like this For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You see, friends, God uses the insignificant to do the significant work. And whereas Mary had said, Lord, who, me? That was an objection, but he says, yes, you. But there was another objection she had, not only Lord, who, me, but Lord, why me? What good thing have I done to deserve this? And in verse 30, we see that the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You found favor with God. And so what had she done to deserve this, to be the mother of Jesus? Why her? In reality, she had done nothing to deserve his favor. As a, the word there, found favor, in the Greek means unmerited, undeserved grace from God. You see, friends, these are the very same objections that we use. We say, why me, Lord? Why do you want to use someone like me? For I, I'm not good enough for you to use. I'm certainly not perfect. I, I'm not anything special. But friends, we see just as Mary found favor, and that word means unmerited, undeserved grace. That same word is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where it tells us, For by grace you have been saved. Through faith and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We've done nothing to deserve our salvation, but we have it through the grace of God. We are who we are only by God's grace. She said, Lord, who? Me? Lord, why me? And then, thirdly, there's a third objection Lord, how me? How me? In verses 31, we see him, the, the, the angel says, Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus, for he will be great, will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? How can this be? Lord, How me. Jesus, the Messiah, conceived in me. How? I do not know a man. She's a virgin. How can this be? And the angel responds in verse 35 and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Lord, This is impossible, Mary has to be thinking. Lord, this is impossible. But then we see in verse 37, the angel adds and says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing is impossible. You see, friends, faith's objections are, Lord, you wanna use me, but who, me? Yes, you is the answer. Why me? Because of his grace, and how me because nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Well, don't you like that? Then we see the angel gives her further information to help her to have faith to do what God has called her to do and we see secondly faith's observations. Faith's observation In verse 36, we see these words where it says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. What we see here, we see two things here really in faith's observation. One is consider this evidence. You see, there's something that the angel wants Mary to know. He's saying to, to Mary, as he's telling her how this is going to happen, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, but there's something else you need to know, Mary. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her, uh, a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month of her who has been barren. There's been something that's happened. God is already doing something miraculous, Mary, in your relative Elizabeth, this, this relative who is old as well as her husband, Zacharias, who has been barren her whole life and now is expecting a son. And this will help you to have faith as you consider the evidence of what God is doing in your life, Mary. And since he is doing something, what he's saying to her is since he is doing something in the life of Elizabeth, Mary, you need to understand that he can do some amazing things in your life too. Because nothing is impossible with God. Friends, we must consider the evidence of changed lives. Observing the faith. Consider his amazing work in and through others. You see, just as Mary needed this to help her in her faith, to observe what God was doing in the life of others, when we come to that point in our lives, when God wants to do something in our lives, we need to understand that he can use you and he can change you. And you say, but who, me? Why me? How me? How could that happen? Well, friends, as we have already laid out those arguments for you and those results, we can also ask as we think about the evidence of how God has already changed the lives of other people. You ever heard of a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus? And how God changed the man who was a murderer, who murdered people who claimed to be Christians and made him to be one of the greatest missionaries, if not the greatest missionary of all time. You ever heard about people, other people? People maybe who were addicted to drugs, who were in bondage to alcohol, who were mean as snakes and rough as cheese graters. But then... Something happened in their lives and they came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and those same people were released from their addiction. They were freed from their bondage. They were changed from the inside out and now they have the aroma of Christ. Friends, when we see that happening, we observe the faith in other people. It is the evidence of what God can do in the lives of people. We're to consider the evidence and have faith. That's what the angel is telling Mary. Consider the evidence of what has happened in your relative Elizabeth, that God can do anything, and he can do it in you, and he can use you for his glory. But not only that, consider the evidence, but the second part of faith's observation is to be confirmed with encouragement. You see, Mary decides after she hears this from the angel, she decides, well, I want to go see this. I want to go visit Elizabeth. And so she decides to go see Elizabeth. And this is what happens. We pick up in verse 39 and follow through 45. Mary arose in those days and she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and she greeted Elizabeth. And it happened that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and she said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. For blessed is she who believed for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, how do you think Mary felt? When she first walks in to see Elizabeth, and she sees indeed, she's six months pregnant at this point, so she's probably showing a little bit. She sees that the angel knows exactly what he was talking about. And then she hears what Elizabeth has to say to her about the babe leaping in her own womb, and she says that this is the mother of her Lord. It had confirmed in her heart what God is doing in her life, don't you think? Confirming it with encouragement. God used Elizabeth to confirm that indeed he had done and was doing something in the life of Mary. And Elizabeth would not have known these things unless they had been revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. And what an encouragement to Mary's faith to have someone show that yes, it is true that God is at work in your life. How helpful this certainly would be in the life of Mary in the, in the weeks and the months that would be ahead for her. She might wonder at times over these next nine months, can I really do this? She might wonder, can I really make it through this? Can I, can I deal with the drama of people who are saying things behind my back? Can I handle the ridicule of what people are going to say? Can I stomach the accusations even as she would be facing those situations, she would remember how God had worked miraculously in her relative's life, in Elizabeth's life. How God had used Elizabeth to encourage her in the faith at this moment. And she would see the faith of Elizabeth and then she would be encouraged in her own faith. Can I tell you something this morning? Faith encourages faith. Amen. When we see people who have faith, that encourages us in our faith. When we see God at work in the lives of other people, that encourages us in our walk as well, doesn't it? Doesn't it build up that faith within us? And then when someone sees how God is working in your life and that person comes to you and says, I see God working in your life. I see how you're walking with him. I see how he's using you. Friends, doesn't that also encourage us in the faith? That's exactly what God is doing here in the life of Mary. You see, friends, let us be examples of faith, but also let us be encouragers in the faith as well. Faith's observations to see these things, what God is wanting us to see. The right faith, friends, The right faith has faith's objections that are overcome and has faith's observations where we see in others. We see God working in other people and others see it in us. But also we see, thirdly, faith's object, faith's object. Mary has heard the call to be used of God. She has wondered, wondered about it, and the angel has told her to consider what God has done in her relative Elizabeth. And then he's had that confirmed his work through Elizabeth as well. And now we see something take place here in verses 46 through 45, and that is that Mary magnifies the Lord. Well, why does she do that? Why does Mary magnify the Lord? It's because he is the object of her faith. The Lord God Almighty, the one true living God, the one in whom she has placed her trust, she is magnifying the Lord. And she says four things, four basic things in this, which is known as the Magnificat. She says, first off, that he is the one who saves He's the one who saves. Look at verses 46 and 47. She said, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. He's the one who saves as Mary is rejoicing and magnifying the Lord. He's the object of her faith. He's the one who saves. He is the Savior. Well, what's he saved her from? Who is, how is he the Savior? Well, he's the Savior from defeat. He's the savior from death. He's the savior from deceit. He's the savior from desperation. He's the savior from discouragement. He is the savior, but not only is he the one who saves, he's also the one, she says, the one who is set apart. Look in verses 48 and 49 it says, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and Holy is his name. He is set apart. He is the one who is set apart. He's the object of her faith who is her savior, but also the one who is set apart. He is holy. And yet he is the one who has reached down to the lowly and stepped over into her world and to her life and has done great things for her. This is the object. He is the object of her faith. He is the savior. He is the one who is set apart, but also he is the one who is strong. In verses 51 and 42, she says, as she magnifies the Lord, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and he has exalted the lowly. He is strong, the one who is strong. He is able to do great and mighty things. He is the one who pulls down, who lifts up. He defeats the enemy and he helps the weak. And she remembers that nothing is impossible with him. She magnifies the Lord. He's the one who saves. He's the one who who is set apart. He's the one who is strong. And then she also says as she magnifies him as he's the one who satisfies. In verses 53 through 55, she says, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. He's the one who satisfies. He's the object of her faith. He has met her every need. He satisfies her soul and he helps her as she is his servant. The Lord God Almighty, the one true living God, the same yesterday, today, and forever is the object of her faith as she magnifies the Lord. And you know what? he 's the same yesterday, today and forever he is also the object of our faith. Amen. Amen. He is the one who saves in Hebrews chapter seven verse twenty five says therefore he that 's Jesus is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is our Savior. But not only that, friends, but he is also the one who is set apart, the one who is holy, who yet reached down, stepped into our world, and has done great things for us. In Romans 5, verses 6 and following, says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And guess what? That's us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for other people. No, he died for us. Amen. He died for us. Christ died for us. He is the one who is set apart. And he's the one who is strong. In Jude 24 and 25, Tells us now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, watch, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. He is the one who is strong. Jesus is the one who is our Savior, who is set apart, who is strong, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and also he is the one who satisfies. In John chapter 6, verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus said that I am the bread of life and he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He is this God, this one true living God, the one who is now and forever will be, the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever. This is our savior, the one who is set apart, the one who is strong, the one who satisfies. He is the object of our faith. We are not putting, listen, we do not put our faith in a church. We do not put our faith in a pastor. We do not put our faith in a religion. We do not put our faith in a denomination. We do not put our faith in a political leader. We do not put our faith in the educational system. Friends, we put our faith only in Jesus Christ. He is our savior, the one who is set apart, the one who is strong and the only one who satisfies our soul. He is the one. Friends, let me tell you, it is a wonderful life with the right faith, overcoming our objections, having the right faith, seeing faith's observations, having the right faith and realizing and trusting in faith's object. But but what else do we do? What else do we see? Here about Mary's faith, we see, fourthly, faith's obedience, faith's obedience. You see, friends, faith is not idle. Faith is not inactive. Faith is not apathetic. Faith is not lethargic, but rather faith is obedient. Come on now, y'all with me? Faith is obedient. We see Mary's faith. Look at verse 38. The angel has just told her how this is going to happen. Told, given her an example of God's work in her relative Elizabeth. And then says in verse 37, for with God, nothing would be impossible. And we find in verse 38 that Mary says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, friends, God chose Mary and used her for his purposes and plan, and she was obedient. She made a difference by being an instrument that God was able to use for his glory. Friends, how about you? What's your faith look like? Is your faith obedient? Is your faith obedient? Will you be his instrument? You see, friends, it's not about us, is it? It's always, always, always about Jesus. You know, I'm constantly amazed at Brian's ability and Brother Jim's ability on the piano and the organ, aren't you? Very impressed with how they're able to do these things. But when we hear them play... Music, when they hear them play solos or whatever, I never hear anybody say, Man, that piano sure did a good job. Man, that organ, man, it really rang it out today, didn't it? No, we say, Brian did great, Jim did great, because they're the ones who are using the instrument. Friends, listen, we are just an instrument. God gets the glory as he uses us. It's not about us. It's about the one who is using us, the Lord. We're just his instruments. The question for us today is, is that will you be his instrument? In James chapter two, verse 20 is, says this, but do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Some translations say, Instead of faith without works is dead, some translations say faith without works is useless. So you have to ask ourselves today, is my faith dead? Is my faith useless useless, or is it being obedient? You see, friends, Mary is a great example of obedient faith. We see that she was obedient and she said, let it be to me according to your word. I don't understand the why. I don't understand why you would choose me or how it's gonna happen. But I believe in you, God, and I'm gonna trust you. Let me be used for your glory. What a great example of obedient faith. You know what? As I was thinking about this woman of faith, I couldn't help but to think about a more recent woman of faith. A woman that you've heard of, but maybe you don't know her story. She was born Charlotte Diggs Moon, December the 12th in 1840. She was born in Albemarle County here in Virginia. They called her Lottie. Lottie rebelled against Christianity until she was in college. In December 1858, she dedicated her life to Christ and she was baptized at the First Baptist Church in Charlottesville, Virginia. Lottie's sister had been appointed to Ting Tingchow, China in 1872. And the following year, Lottie was appointed and joined her sister there. When she set sail for China, Lottie Moon was 32 years old, and she had turned down a marriage proposal, and she left her job. She left her home and left her family to follow God's lead. Her path was not typical for an educated woman from a wealthy Southern family, but God had gripped her heart with the the Chinese people's need for a Savior. Lottie served for 39 years as a missionary where she taught in a girl's school and often made trips into China's interior to share the good news with women and girls. People feared and they rejected her, but she refused to leave. The aroma of fresh baked cookies drew people to her house. She adopted the traditional Chinese dress. She learned China's language and customs and because she was indeed a short woman, she fit in in a lot of those areas and times. Lottie didn't just serve the people of China. She identified with them. Many eventually accepted her and some accepted her savior. Lottie wrote letters home detailing China's hunger for truth and the struggle of so many missionaries or rather so few missionaries who were taking the gospel to the 472 million Chinese in her day. She also shared the urgent need for more workers and and for Southern Baptists to support them through prayer and giving. And she once wrote home to the foreign mission board, that's what it was called then, and said, please say to the new missionaries that they are coming to a life of hardship, responsibility, and constant self-denial. She knew all those things. Over the years, disease and turmoil and lack of coworkers threatened to undo Lottie's work. But she gave herself completely to God, helping lay the foundation of what would become the modern Chinese church, one of the fastest growing Christian movements in the world. Lottie Moon died at the age of 72. She was ill and in declining health after decades ministering to her beloved Chinese. You see, friends, God used a lady by the name of Lottie Moon to make a difference in the lives of other people. And you know what? He's still doing it through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We give to that Christmas offering in her honor, but for the glory of God, then more missionaries will be able to send into the international field where every dime of that money goes to support our missionaries. God's still using a person like Lottie Moon. And do you want to know the fascinating thing, the really interesting thing? Is that God still uses people today to make a difference? And you want to know what's really going to blow your mind? Is that God still uses people just like you and just like me. Why? Why would he do that? Because of his grace. How can God do something like that? Because nothing's impossible with God. But, friends, we have to be obedient. And we must be because faith obeys. In our clip today, we saw Clarence said to George, maybe I hope you caught it, he said, You know, you had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it all away? Listen, friends, we only have a few minutes. Life is short. Life is short. We need to be obedient and have the right faith. Amen? Life is short. Be obedient. A life with the right faith is never wasted. Faith that overcomes our own objections. Faith that sees and hears and remembers what he has done. A faith that is centered on Jesus Christ and a faith that obeys. That is the right faith. Now let's look at a couple to-dos. The first one to-do, give evidence and encouragement. Give evidence of faith and encouragement to faith. So this is what I'd like for you to do. I'll give you a little homework assignment. Sometime in the next few weeks, you're going to be gathered with your family around the table. You're going to be with some family and friends at different times. Take some time and tell your family, tell your friends, tell your spouse, tell your children today, this week, or in the next few weeks, how you have seen God working in your own life. All of us have seen God do some amazing things in our lives. Amen? If you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you have been born again, friends, already you have something to tell because he's changed your life and given you hope. Amen? But chances are you've seen him do other things in your life as well. Give evidence of that. Tell people what God has done in your life. And let me also encourage you on the flip side of that also, To not only give evidence by telling people what God's done in your life, tell people how you've seen God working in their life. Be an encouragement to others in their faith and tell them how you have seen God working in their life. Point it out to them and encourage them in their faith. Can you do that? Amen? Give evidence of faith and encouragement to faith. And then secondly, there's an old Nike slogan, just do it. Just do it. Ask the question, what is it that God is calling me to do? Maybe he's not calling you to go to China like Lottie Moon. But maybe he is calling you to go across the street. Or maybe he is calling you to go across the aisle to another neighbor. Whatever it is, friend, that God is calling you to do, just do it. Amen? Just do it. Because the right faith is a faith that is alive and is useful and it obeys. Obey the Lord. Have faith and obey and make a difference in the lives of others for the glory of God. But Friends, let me tell you something. It only begins with one first step. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to make a difference in the lives of others for the glory of God, It begins with the step of faith, trusting Jesus Christ. Acknowledging that we're sinners in need of a savior. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. None of us are good enough to get into the presence of God. We're not holy enough. We need a savior. Jesus is that savior. We turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus Christ in repentance and Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. And I turn to you and I ask you to cleanse me and wash me to come into my life. And as we turn to him, we're embracing, believing that Jesus is able to forgive us because he is the son of God who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave. We embrace that, believe that with all of our heart and we profess him as the Lord and savior of our life. It's a step of faith, trusting him to save us. If you've never done that, if you've never taken that step of faith, why not today to trust the Lord Jesus as savior of your life? but maybe you're here today and you have done that. You do know Jesus. Why not having the faith today to remember that all he has done and he is doing, focus on Jesus as the object of your faith and just do all that he has called you to do. Just do it. Be obedient. Friend, what's he calling you to do? Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you be obedient to his call and be faithful to him? because he certainly is faithful to us. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'd be with us now as we come to our invitation, and we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the faith that we need. And we pray that you'd guide and direct us, Lord, to live for you, to honor you, to obey you, to bless you through our lives as we seek to make a difference in the lives of others with the right faith. Father, we pray that there are those here today that don't know you, that, Lord, even now you'd... You're working in their hearts as you've already been uh, tweaking their hearts and uh, piercing their hearts and dealing with their hearts. Even during this message, Lord, that they would, just as we all have, have have felt that sense of your spirit working. May be obedient and come and say yes to Jesus. But also, Father, there are those of us who know you as Lord and Savior and need even maybe this Christmas season where we need to be reminded of having the faith that we need to have to live the life you've called us to live so that we will make a difference in the, in the, the lives around us, meeting people where they are, pointing them to Jesus or being faithful to your call. Maybe you're dealing with folks, Lord, today to be obedient in other areas. Maybe it's to surrender something that they've been holding as a burden on their lives and they need to give it over to you. Maybe it's something, Lord, where they're to join this church fellowship as you've been dealing with them to come and be a part of this church family Lord, maybe it's through baptism or transfer of letter, whatever the case may be. But Father, wherever you're working in all of our lives, this is to be a servant in some area or to do something for someone. Lord, maybe it's to reconcile with someone that we've had ill feelings toward. Whatever it is, oh Lord, may you have your way in us as we have that faith in you and we seek to obey you and truly find that when we have the right faith, It is a wonderful life now and forever. Lord, have your way in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand, we're gonna sing Jesus paid it all. You come as God is there with you.